Good morning. It's good to see you here uh, today. As Pip said, hope you had a, a lovely Christmas time this last week with friends or family as much as as you could. Uh, well, my name is Tim. If we haven't met, I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, you know, last week we finished up uh, a series that we were calling uh, the Disciplines of Grace, looking at different spiritual practices and the role that they play uh, in our life. And this week, we're starting what will be a a small kind of mini-series on some ideas of of vision uh, that come out of a lot of time in prayer and discussion amongst the elders. Um, I'm going to talk this week, and and Josh is going to talk the next couple weeks, uh, about just some ideas that we feel like God is uh, uh, leading us towards uh, for the coming year, for 2021. And this week, uh, I'm going to be dealing with one primary question, and that is this. How do people grow in Christ at Door of Hope? And, and a little context on that. From the beginning, Door of Hope has really been a church that is centered around the, the Sunday gathering. Uh, has been more, uh, well, first and foremost, really about gathering together and, and reaching out. This was a, a big part of Josh's vision when he founded the church. Uh, it's his passion and it's a strength. Uh, but most strengths in any area of our life uh, can also be weaknesses if we just kind of major on the strength and, and uh, not as much as, as kind of other areas. And, and a healthy, well-rounded church uh, is is going to have a, a balanced approach, is going to care as much about uh, those who are already at the church and their growth as much as uh, inviting other people to join us in the growth of the church. Door of Hope, I think, has had a little bit more of a vision for those not at the church sometimes than those who are. And, and this is something that the elders have seen, something that the elders have been thinking and talking and praying about and talking about how we might uh, address that. And, and a lot of what I'm going to share today comes out of, of those discussions. As Door of Hope enters its, its second decade of ministry, we're in a strange place. We're experiencing limitations unlike any most of us have ever experienced in our life. We're, we're a gathering-centered church who has significant limitations and for almost half of the last year didn't gather at all. Uh, it's, it's a really strange time. And I think our mindset so far has been mostly to just kind of endure this time, to, to do the best we can until this blows over. And, and here's another little piece of context. Uh, the few Sundays right before we found ourselves in lockdown in mid-March were the largest Sundays attendance-wise in our gatherings that that we'd ever had. Uh, It was the first time we ever gathered more than 1,300 folks together two Sundays in a row. And then we had one where COVID was kind of like getting more in the collective consciousness and uh, attendance went way down. And then by the next week, we were in lockdown and we didn't meet for six months. Um, And, and, I think our mindset has been that, you know, initially it was like, oh, well, you know, this will pass soon and we can get back to where we were before as as quickly as possible. And initially it was like, oh, well, surely this can't go past April and then surely not May and then June and then the summer and then the fall. And and there's no end to the Shirley's in sight, if we're honest, right? Um, The reality is, is, is a return to gatherings the way they were before is still probably a long ways off in some ways. Uh, personally, I, I kind of ask the question of if we will get back to that point because the longer this has gone on, 
the more I think it's starting to change us. It's changing some aspects of, of who we are and how we relate to the world. No one knows for sure how much it has changed us, but, but I think there's a strong consensus among the leadership that if, that if all of the restrictions on gatherings were lifted tomorrow, I don't think we would be gathering a thousand plus on Sunday still, right? It's changed how we view groups. It's changed how we see our place in uh, the church in the midst of all that. And, and, and I think the, the conviction that seems to have, have bubbled up in, in recent months uh, as the elders have, have been thinking and talking and, and praying is that I think it's time to stop waiting for this just to blow over and get back to where we were and start thinking about how to exist as a church in the midst of this, how to maybe even embrace some of these limitations rather than just wait for them to pass. And that raises the question of, of what does that look like? Well, uh, in the coming weeks, Josh is going to talk uh, more about, I think, what it means to reach out as a church. What I really want to camp on today is what it looks like for us to grow in Christ in the midst of this. And so what we're going to do is we're going to look at a, at a specific passage of Scripture from Ephesians 4. If you have a Bible, you can turn there. It's going to be Ephesians 4, verses 7 through 16. Uh, we're going to look at this passage briefly, and then we're going to talk about some practical concepts that I think will kind of bring this down, I think, more practically into reality and, and, and practice for us in the new year. This is going to be a very practical sermon. There's going to be a lot of diagrams. It's a different kind of sermon than I usually preach, and definitely a different sermon than what, what Josh usually preaches, but I think it's appropriate as we consider who God's calling us to be in the coming years. So, a little background on Ephesians 4. He's, he's writing, it's the Apostle Paul writing a letter to a church that he was a major part of planting, and that church is about 10 years old, which is about the same age as Door of Hope. And they're facing some similar kind of life stage transitions and issues to what, what we are. And, and Paul is starting to, to break it down really practically on this subject of, of Christian growth starting in verse 7. And here's what he says. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and gave gifts to men. Paul here has this little quote that he breaks out uh, in, in uh, verse 8, and it's from Psalm 68. Uh, and the idea here, what he's calling on from, from an Old Testament example uh, to point to a New Testament reality is, is the sense in which Jesus came, uh, he lived his life, he died on the cross, he was resurrected, and then he ascended to the Father. And as he went back to the Father, he sent the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit exists to empower his people for for ministry. The Holy Spirit gives gifts to all his people to that end. And this is what he's talking about. And the big idea that I want you to get from this is God gives gifts to all his people, to all of his people, not just some extraordinarily gifted individuals, not just those who stand on a stage like what I'm doing right now, but God gives gifts to all of his people. This is the grace that Paul is talking about that is given. Uh, and, and if you skip a little bit, skip a couple verses and go down to 11, he starts to speak about some of these gifts, particularly. Uh, in verse 11, he says, and he gave the apostles, prophets, evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers. He gives a little bit of a, a list 
of some of the kinds of gifts that God gives to his people. I'll, I'll just give a couple words about each one of these. Apostles are the eyewitness uh, leaders commissioned by Jesus directly to build the early church. Uh, so to be a capital A apostle, the way uh, Paul was talking about it here, is to have been an eyewitness to Jesus and have Jesus personally either in his life or uh, in Paul's case uh, after his resurrection uh, appear to him and commission him for this. So we don't have those kind of apostles today. But he's speaking of uh, apostle in a way that it can also be a gift. Uh, we see an asp- apostolic-like gifting in certain leaders today in the church, and particularly in the areas of, of church planning and missions. So that's what he means by apostle. Uh, he says he also gives prophets, which are those who generally speak on God's behalf. He gives evangelists, who are those who, who preach the gospel. The word evangelist comes from the Greek word evangel, which is what's translated as the gospel, the good news of who Jesus is and, and what he has done for us. Uh, he says he gives some who are, are shepherds. This, is, this word is, is what we translate as, as pastors. We believe this is a gift. This is often assumed to be like a, a role of like a, a ministry staff person, but, but the Bible doesn't talk about it in that way. The Bible talks about it here. It only, actually only uses this word for, for pastor Uh, three or four times in the whole Bible. We make a big deal about pastors now. That's come to be the word that we call a lot of church staff, but it wasn't that way uh, in the Bible. And it's a gift. It's a shepherding gift. A a shepherd is is those who who lead and care and protect the the metaphorical sheep, God's people, the people of the church. Um, And he gives also teachers, which is pretty self-explanatory, those who, who teach God's word. And these are all gifts, not so much offices or roles, and this is not an exhaustive list of gifts. There's, there's many different uh, lists of gifts in the New Testament that God gives to his people. Uh, and, and while these are, are particularly upfront and influential gifts in the life of the church, they're not an end in themselves. And this is the point that I want to make. It's where Paul goes next in verse 12, is that he gives these things, apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints, saints being all the people of God, for the work of ministry. This word uh, translated as as work of ministry means means service. It's the same word that's translated elsewhere as as deacons. It means to to serve one another. Uh, So he's given these upfront gifts specifically not just so that they would minister and people would just show up and be ministered to. He's given these gifts so that they would use them to empower the people of the church to minister to one another. God's plan is not for ministry professionals to simply provide for the church and all the people to simply receive. God's plan is that we all, everyone who belongs to God, who is a part of a local church, has a part to play doing the work of ministry. That's not for vocational ministry people. It's not for church staff. It's for all of us. And thus, building up the body of Christ. And he goes on. Uh, I, I won't camp on, uh, on too many of these details. There's a lot here. I want to get to some, some bigger picture ideas. But, but it gives a, a powerful explanation of, of the goal of, of when everyone's using their gift what happens in the life of a church. He says, until we all attain the unity of the faith, the knowledge of the Son of God, 
to mature manhood, the word is, is more like personhood, men and women, uh, mature people uh, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. The goal being nothing less than we would all become more and more and more like Jesus himself so that we may no longer be children. Nothing wrong with being a child when you're a child, right? But there is a problem if you kind of become, remain like a child your whole life. That's the same idea with life in Christ. Uh, when, when you first come to be a follower of Jesus, there's nothing wrong with simply being one who, who receives, but, but the idea is that you're supposed to grow and you're supposed to mature, that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried around by every wind of doctrine, meaning all kinds of other new and false teachings about God that come up, which are constantly coming up in and outside the church. It says, rather, speaking the truth in love, meaning challenging one another towards the truth uh, in a loving way, we are to grow up in every way who is uh, into him who is the head into Christ from which the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. The idea is that when everyone is serving in the way God has equipped them, that the whole church family grows to be more and more like Jesus together. So the high points, the big ideas that we're going to return to in the rest of this, this time together is that, that God gives gifts to all his people. Some are more public than others. But the goal of all is to equip God's people to minister to one another, resulting in unity, knowledge of Jesus, experience of Jesus, becoming more and more like Jesus, exemplified in love for those both in and outside of the church. Putting it simply in one sentence, the church grows into maturity when each member does its part to serve the whole. I think you're getting the idea. This is, this is the big idea that we're going to return to over and over again. Uh, but, but I want to break it down more practically because big ideas that don't get worked out in practice aren't worth a whole lot. So what does this actually look like? What does it look like to grow into this kind of maturity? And what is the part that each of us have to play in the midst? Well, the elders have been talking about this on and off, particularly this, this uh, passage from uh, Ephesians over the last year, year and a half, almost the whole time that I've been a part of, of the elder board uh, here at Door of Hope. Uh, and a month or so back, a little before Thanksgiving, um, I, I woke up early one morning, which almost never happens, uh, and couldn't go back to sleep, which all happens even uh, more rarely. Um, and, and I went downstairs, and I was sitting there reading my Bible, and, and all of a sudden, this, this language kind of came into my head. And this has been one of our goals, is to try and, and articulate what, what Christian growth looks like in a, in a practical way that we could have maybe move towards at least some, some kind of shared language that would be common language for the church with how to speak about these things. Um, and, and this language kind of came rushing into my mind, and, and I went quickly to my computer. I almost couldn't write it down fast enough. Uh, maybe it was the Holy Spirit. Maybe it was the previous night's dinner. I'll let you decide. But, but uh, this is what I came up with, and, and as I've shared it with the staff and elders since, uh, there's been a sense that it seems like maybe this is some helpful language for us to, to talk about these things with. And here's the big idea. 
Throughout Scripture, one of the, the main images for, for Christian growth has to do with, with food and, and eating. Paul uses, and, and Peter as well, use the image of, of milk helping a baby grow up. Jesus uses language of, of, of the, he called himself the bread of life, that as we feed on this bread, we grow to, to uh, walk more and more closely, to abide more closely with him. And so in light of that, uh, the, the, the big sentence is a mature Christian is fed by others, learns to feed themselves, and eventually grows to feed others. It's these three different relationships, and each of them are, are kind of interwoven with one another. That's why, why you see th- th- this diagram, if you're not familiar with it, you've seen it in probably many different uh, contexts. It's called a Venn diagram. If you didn't know, I guess the guy who made it up was Venn. I'm not sure. Um, but but the big idea of it is that it's, it's not a linear process, meaning step one, step two, step three. It means that each of these areas are kind of interlocking and overlapping with the others. Each one has a piece of the other and, 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 and so on uh, amidst these three. And so I want to look at each of these three individually, and then we'll talk about more practically what it can mean for us as a church. So the first relationship I want to talk about is is this of, of, of being fed by others. A mature Christian, I believe, is fed by others, first and foremost, through teaching and community. Now, I've said this isn't a linear process, but I think generally speaking, more times than not, this is where Christian life begins for people. Uh, a, a new Christian learns the good news of Jesus from someone and somehow, and it's usually through a friend or through the teaching ministry of, of a ministry or a, a local church. Um, and, you know, this is a lot of what the, the, the work is uh, described in Ephesians 4 that, that, that teachers and, and shepherds do, whether they're uh, paid by a church or ministry or not. So, so teaching, it means that, that, that a, a healthy Christian submits themselves to the teaching ministry of a local church. And I want to make a point here because this has never been more of a, of, of a point to make than, than right now. And that is that how important it is that you attach yourself not just to teaching in general, but the teaching ministry of a local church. It has never been easier than it is right now to kind of cherry pick and shop around for different kinds of teaching because in these COVID times, just about every church and just about every ministry has put all their stuff online. It's never been easier to shop from the comfort of your own home for teaching that you agree with and that you uh, uh, feeling encourages you. And there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying that's wrong or bad, but it is no substitute for knowing and being known by specific people within a local church. There's something that happens that's very different by being a part of a local church than just podcasting other teaching from elsewhere. And so I just want to encourage you. I want to encourage you who are here. I want to encourage everyone uh, listening or watching online. If you're not a part of Door of Hope, uh, I hope our ministry can be an encouragement to you. But if you're not here locally in Portland, you still need to be a part of a local church. So a mature Christian... Uh, is, is fed by others through teaching and also community. 
receiving truth in relationship with other followers of Jesus, not just listening to teaching, but letting people, other brothers and sisters in Christ, actually speak into your life, challenging, encouraging, and at times, just like Ephesians 4 said, correcting one another, speaking the truth to one another in love. So that's the first relationship. A healthy Christian, a mature Christian, is fed by others through teaching and community. The second relationship is a healthy Christian learns. They aren't just just simply fed by others. They learn to feed themselves. And they do so first and foremost through God's word, the Bible, the scriptures, uh, through, through God's word and through prayer. Now again, it's not a linear process always. There, there, there are occasions, and I've known folks, for whom their relationship with God began just by reading the Bible. Occasionally, this is where it starts. But generally speaking, this is most, more often, I think, a, a second step along the path. It often starts with being fed by others, hearing the gospel from someone else, uh, and then a healthy Christian trajectory is to, to learn more over time of how to not just receive from others, but also feed yourself through God's Word, spending time in the Bible, learning about Him through the words of Scripture, deepening your relationship with how He reveals Himself through His Word, and then also seeking Him through prayer, conversation with God, bringing your thoughts, your concerns, your requests to Him, just like you would with any other friend that you share life with. A lot of this ends up getting worked out in spiritual disciplines and and spiritual practices that we've been talking about just in this previous series uh, of the disciplines of grace. Now, I think when you ask the average Christian if they've been around the church for any length of time, you ask them, what does it look like to grow in Christ? I think the most common answer you're going to get is a combination of these first two things, being fed by others through teaching and community, and uh, learning to feed yourself, spending time in the Word, in in God's Word, the Bible, and spending time in prayer. And these are essential. But the big idea of Ephesians 4 and what I really want to challenge everyone towards today here for Door of Hope in, in the new year is that that is not where it ends. That's where it begins. That ultimately... We can go to this next slide with, that talks about the third relationship. Ultimately, a mature Christian grows to feed others as well. Primarily, I think, through service and wit- witness. Here's the idea. A mature Christian, a healthy Christian, is going to grow more and more focused on the health and the needs of others in love. At least according to God's plan, according to what we read about in Ephesians 4. Meaning that that the more mature we get, the more we have an outward focus, not just inward. Now, not outward to the exclusion of inward, both is what I'm arguing for. And, And this is This is challenging because so much of the world around us has such a strong message of looking inward. And I think the church has been shaped by that message, by that kind of self-help therapeutic culture. Now, again, I'm not discounting these first two relationships. It's very important to be fed by others, have other people speaking into your life. It's very important to feed yourself. And yet the trajectory over and over again that we see in Jesus' life 
and the examples that he calls us to and what scripture calls us to is an increasingly outward focus, considering others, not just ourselves, which is the exact opposite of the culture of the world, which says over and over again, look within yourself, be true to yourself, that the most important thing in the world is who you are and asserting that over and against everyone else. And anyone who puts you down, you should fight against because that's abuse. The life of Jesus and the message of the scriptures is the exact opposite of that. Is that, that Christian maturity is not becoming more clearly in touch with yourself first and foremost, it's laying yourself down for others ultimately exemplified by Jesus. And so a healthy Christian uh, grows to, to serve others, both in the church and outside of the church. They grow towards leadership, using your gifts in the way that you can. And, and I'm not talking about vocational ministry in this necessarily. There might be a few of you, a small number of you that might end up for some time or other in a role uh, uh, where you're, you're paid by a church or ministry, and that's fine and that's good, but it will not be the case for most of you. And I wanna just make it super clear that the Bible doesn't really even think in those terms. That's more of a modern paradigm that we have, particularly in the church in America, that they're almost as if, as if uh, kind of, kind of varsity is if you really sell out for God and, and end up in vocational ministry and everyone else has kind of like made friends with the world. And I don't think that is necessarily as, as big of a, of a trend and a belief at Door of Hope as it is uh, in other churches and some of the churches I grew up in. And yet, it's still a very common understanding, the, the kind of the professionalization of church ministry and church ministry staff. I want to push back against that. Everyone has a part to play in God's family, the church. And everyone in big ways or small ways or anywhere in between has an opportunity to use the gifts that God has given them in the, given them in, in the life of others. It doesn't have to be a big program. It's as simple as have you gone through something hard that you can have your eyes open for how you could help somebody else with. Have you been divorced? Maybe God will use you in the life of somebody else who's going through a divorce. Have you lost someone to death? Maybe God will give you an opportunity to, to, to minister to someone else who has experienced that loss. That's what I'm talking about. This is what the body of Christ is meant to be and to do. It's not always big programs. It's not always vocational ministry. It's, it's serving one another. And it's also being a witness. A mature Christian is compelled to share their faith with others. They can't help it. It comes up in conversation. This isn't just something for, for quote-unquote evangelists. Everyone is supposed to have their eyes open for how they might be able to point folks towards Jesus in, again, big ways, small ways, more articulate ways and less articulate ways, and still all of us, wherever we are at in the middle of all that, are called to be ambassadors of the good news of Jesus to one degree or another as he gives us opportunity. So it's gotta be all three of these and if you take any one of them away, you end up with something really different. You end up with a, a distortion of Christian maturity. Any long-term trajectory that does not lead to growth in all three of these relationships becomes increasingly distorted and disordered. I'll give you just a few examples. 
Uh, if, if you trend towards someone who is just only fed by others, it's an issue. If you're always receiving and never giving, it's not an issue when you first become a Christian. Again, like a, uh, in this, this analogy that like Paul uses of, of a child who, who grows up into maturity, it, it, it's fine for a while. It's okay to start there. It's just not okay to, to be there long term, to be in this place of, of always receiving and never giving. Another distortion is only feeding yourself. This is kind of the, the lone ranger Christian who doesn't have anybody else speaking into their life and isn't really very concerned about others. They're just, just first and foremost concerned about being fed. It, that's, it's selfish. Again, it's, it's vital to learn how to feed yourself spiritually, but if that's all you do, it falls way short of God's intention for life in Christ, especially as a part of, of a church. Another one uh, uh, that combines those two, and, and this is common in a lot of churches, they're, they're about only being fed by others and feeding yourself. You just get these, the, this one side here, and what you get here is, is kind of the, what folks have called over the years the, the country club church, or the country club Christian, where, where it's, a, it's a closed community, mostly just concerned with the well-being of the people who belong and kind of putting up walls against those who don't belong and aren't particularly concerned about those. Another distortion uh, that's particularly uh, more in line with, with something leaders can fall into is, is those who focus on feeding others or maybe feeding themselves, but they aren't fed by others. They, they end up with no accountability. They end up with, with serious blind spots and they're isolated. I think you get the idea. I think if my math is right with three options and you do all the permutations, I think that's nine. Um, uh, but, uh, so there's, there's a few more of these that you could work out, but, but you get the idea. You take any one of these out of the picture and you get something that's kind of messed up. A few big ideas before we, we wrap this up, just on the whole. I said this before, ongoing, ongoing growth is, is not necessarily linear. Once you kind of get some experience in all three, and generally it kind of goes fed by others, feed yourself, feed others, but there's always exceptions to that too. But, but when you get some experience with all three, after that you're kind of bouncing all around. It's not a repeat the process of one, two, three. Once you, for example, maybe you start to move towards uh, feeding others and you get more involved in serving or, or in leadership in one way or another, it actually kind of, after a while, you can realize that you spend so much time, this is something I struggle with, you, you spend so much time focusing on that work that you can kind of forget to feed yourself. It raises the bar for what it means to feed yourself because it becomes even more vitally important. It's one of the reasons why I think it's so important to have this other-focused trajectory in our life. It actually raises the bar for the other two, you, you, it makes it essential to have other people speaking into your life. It makes it essential that you're spending time in, in word and prayer. Otherwise, you have nothing to give. You're no help to anybody. So ongoing growth kind of bounces all around over time. You, you, you kind of have to continually size things up, see where you're strong, where you're weak, and what you're going to do about it. Another big idea is, is relationships are at the very heart of all of this. Every aspect of this is about relationship with God and about relationship with others. So if you ever start to think, you know, I'm doing pretty well overall. I just don't really have any many people speaking into my life. Beware. 
beware, you've fallen into a trap. You've fallen into isolation and individualism. God's path for growth to be more like Jesus always involves others. And if you find yourself isolated, you are not in a good place. And it needs to be addressed. It won't lead to a good thing. There's no place in the Scripture. Almost everything that God talks about in your relationship with God is is talked about in the plural. There's almost nothing in the Bible about your personal relationship with God. That's kind of an American thing because we're so deeply individualistic here. So beware. It's all about relationship. And then I'll say it again at the risk of beating a horse that's already dead. The height of maturity is serving others. Not looking further and further within. You grow more and more to be like Jesus as you pour yourself out. It's counterintuitive. It's the opposite of the world's wisdom and unfortunately the wisdom of of, of too much of the church. Personal growth is important, but if that growth does not result in becoming more like Jesus in service and love for others, then there's something wrong. So, practically, how do we land this? What does this actually look like for for Door of Hope and specifically in the coming year? Let's let's zoom out and just ask this this first question here. Where Where is Door of Hope strong and where do we have room to grow? As I've thought about this and as I've talked it over with our staff and elders, I think we all feel like Door of Hope is strongest in the first relationship, being fed by others. From the beginning, like I said in my intro, Door of Hope has had a a strong emphasis on gathering and and teaching, a strong emphasis on community groups. As soon as they got them going, So Door of Hope does a a good job of inviting people to join us on Sunday, of teaching the word, and inviting people to to know and be known in community groups. As as Pip mentioned, who's our pastor over our community groups, he's the one who did the announcements. Uh, As he mentioned, if you're not in a community group, that is is the first step to getting more connected to this local church here at at Door of Hope. And if you're not in a community group, we would love for you uh, to join one. But so I think, I think we're strongest in this first relationship. I think we have some room to grow in the second one, in, in helping people learn how to, to feed themselves. I've only been around Door of Hope for two years or so, and I'm told that this has been a, a stronger emphasis at, at different points in the life of Door of Hope. And some of you who've been around for much longer than I have, you can probably remember those times. Uh, when there was more Bible studies, more teaching on how to study the Word for yourself, I think particularly the teaching ministry of Tim Mackey when he was a part of Door of Hope, I think he was a huge blessing in this area. I think we've slipped a little too far away from some of this. I think this is something we can do as, as church leadership. I think we can, this is something we can do a better job of, of, of challenging you towards and equipping and providing resources for just growing in your um, Seeking of God through his word and, and prayer, learning how to, how to feed yourselves. I think we have the most room to grow in the third relationship. Again, I have a, I have a limited historical perspective in the, the 10 years or so life of, of, of Door of Hope. 
I think it's been different from what I hear in, in earlier days, but there's a broad sense among the elders that at this point, ministry at Door of Hope has become a little more of a spectator sport than what we're comfortable with, what we think is healthy for our church. And COVID has only amplified that trajectory. The default mode in, in COVID times is, is to turn inward, to just press pause on everything we possibly can in life and go into to maintenance mode, to circle the wagons, to turn inward, right? And I think what we really want to get at in this, this kind of mini vision series this week and, and the next couple weeks is really want to call Door of Hope out of that. If you look at these three relationships, being fed by others, feeding yourself and feeding others, even at our most limited time during COVID, we can pursue growth in all of these, right? We can still let other people speak into our lives. We can still grow in our relationship with God through his word and, and through prayer with him. We can still uh, meet needs and serve others and share our faith. And maybe there are some limitations to that uh, that we're experiencing to some degree. There's less opportunities to be around as many people, and yet we still have that opportunity. It's still there. We want to shift the paradigm in the coming year from uh, for our ministries from, from maybe, this is subtle, but I think you understand what I'm saying, from, from staff-led to more staff-equipped and, and empowered, meaning we want our church staff to, to carry less of the burden of ministering to individuals. We always will uh, to, to some degree or other, but what we want to do, there's just not enough staff and there never will be enough staff to accomplish that in a large church like Door of Hope. What we want to do is encourage the staff and encourage the church towards more where the staff is, is about coordinating, developing, and empowering you to minister to one another. To leverage the collective gifts of the church family to minister to one another, which is way exponentially more than what a small church staff can accomplish in and of themselves. One of the most encouraging examples of this is uh, what has gone on with women's ministry over uh, the summer and the fall. Uh, you heard Pip uh, mentioning this as well. There, there was a beautiful, just a grassroots movement, and, like an uprising in, in the summer of, uh, of sending out a survey, uh, trying to gather info from all the women who would take the time to, to respond of what would be encouraging to them, what would be helpful to them in that time. And then we did it again going into the fall, and there was a, a, a great response, and there was all kinds of groups that have started, uh, mentorship groups, um, Bible studies, uh, simpler, more low-key groups, just where you get together and walk and have a conversation, all kinds of different things, way more than what we could accomplish through any particular, just one of our, our staff ministering in that way. We want more of this kind of like grassroots ministry and, and ownership. I was really encouraged over the summer to find out that, that there's a, a small group of folks 
that just have a heart for, for students who've been uh, taking a, a group of middle schoolers out uh, for lunch a couple times a month and doing a Bible study. We didn't even know it was happening. And while technically my job description involves uh, coordinating and kind of being responsible for all the ministries, and I would like to know, I love it. It's so encouraging to find when there's things that are just, people have just taken the initiative on their own to meet a need. It's beautiful. That's what the church is supposed to be like. We want to also challenge you and, and empower you to, to share your faith with others. That's something Josh in particular is extremely passionate about, and that's going to be uh, uh, something he's going to share a lot about in, in, in the next couple weeks of this brief series. So that's the church in general. Here's the real question. What does that mean for us specifically? Where can we grow in this process. In the new year, I and, and, and the elders and our church leadership and our staff, we want to challenge you to pursue growth. We want to challenge you to not let COVID be autopilot. Not let COVID be a, a, a time when you just hit a, hit a pause button on as many things as possible, but instead push forward. What could happen in and through our church even though we can't gather in large numbers, how could we still be the distributed sent people of God in all this stuff of life in and around our city? So ask yourself these questions. Where are you most strong right now? How do you keep that up? Where are you doing well of these, these three areas? Where do you need to grow? Where are you the weakest? What can you do about it? Maybe consider picking one area of these three to focus on in the first part of the new year, maybe the first quarter or the first half of the new year. I mentioned this earlier, but for me, it's just I have to be more intentional about, about feeding myself. It, there's always so much to do between home and church. It's hard to make it a priority, but if I don't, I can end up in a dark place quickly, and I'm no help to anybody at that point. What are you convicted about, even as I talk right now? And then thirdly, where can you move towards serving and leading others? Have you been in a Bible study for years? Why haven't you considered leading a Bible study? You will never learn more about the Bible as when you try to lead others and teach others. The trajectory of every Bible study should be more Bible studies. Have you been in a community group for years? Have you considered leading a community group? The trajectory of community groups, we really want to, to be that way as well. There, there's something to be said for a group building a deep connection over a long time with one another, but there's also something to be said for the group planting new groups and inspiring and empowering and encouraging and training others so that more people can have that experience of, of, of a deep belonging to our church family. Are you frustrated about a need that you see around that Door of Hope isn't meeting? Maybe you should consider just stepping up and doing it. Like I said earlier, we, we, want, we don't want our staff to be the, the bottleneck of everything going on in the church. And by God's grace, it's not in, in many ways, but it's still more of one than I wish it was. If you see a need that's not being met, we don't necessarily have to start a full formal ministry that has a a place on our website or whatever, maybe just, just pray that God would send you a couple other people who feel strongly about that as well and then do something, right? And let us know. We'll do whatever we can to support it. 
or promote it where it makes sense or, or help draw attention to it, you know, or, or, or provide resources to help uh, support it. Community group leaders, those who are already leading community groups, think about the people in your groups. Think about where they're weak and where they're strong. Maybe consider as a community group picking one of these areas to focus on in the first part of the new year. And we're going to be talking about exactly that in a couple weeks when we have a, a community group leader training. So all of that to say, the deep conviction is from your elders, I think we've pulled too far inward during this COVID time. And, and, and I don't say that to point a finger like I have. Man, I, I'm pretty sure I had the COVID before the tests were out, like in the early part. I think Josh, Russ, and I all got it uh, in March, right, as we went into quarantine. And it, it, was, it was like getting hit by a truck and the whole world stopped at the same time. It was so bizarre and disorienting. It, it, I've never experienced anything like it. I think, I think it's natural to kind of pull inward and just be dazed and a bit stunned by the whole thing. But as it has gone on and as it continues to go on and as there's no clear end in sight in the near future, eventually vaccines will hopefully have their effect, but it's going to take a while. My prayer for us is that we would press in in the midst of this, not withdraw. Though we would prayerfully consider seriously who God would have us be in the midst of all this in the coming year. What would it look like for us as a church if this became a profound time of growth in every sense of the word? What, what part is God drawing you to play in the ongoing life and growth of our church family? My prayer is really just these words of Ephesians 4 from Paul, and I'll close with that passage, that we would speak the truth in love to one another, that we would grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Heavenly Father, this is our prayer. I praise you for the ways that you have protected us and watched over us and sustained us as a church in the middle of this strange time of pandemic. But I ask now, Lord, that as we look to this new year, that you would convict us, that you would challenge us, that, that, that in the ways that we have maybe become too distracted or, or too complacent, if we've been too prone to just pause and, and retreat and withdraw and turn inward, that you would draw us out of that. That, that you would draw us closer to you through, through being fed by others through learning to feed ourselves and through having more and more concern for how we might serve and point others to you. We might feed others in this time as well. I just ask that you would, would continue to change Door of Hope and build Door of Hope and, and grow Door of Hope ultimately that we would become more like Jesus and that more people would know who Jesus is and what he's done for them through our love for one another and through our love for them. 
And it's in his name that we pray all these things. Amen.